is the awareness that what's true for us will always make us lighter. A lie for us will always make us heavier. And, you know, you can think of lightness like that, you know, where you kind of go, ah, and you get to relax into it, and it has a sense of space to it. And the heavier is more of a sense of contraction. Hey, it's Jeff Dixon, and welcome to the Live Wide Awake podcast. Thank you for being one of our listeners in 88 countries around the world. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Dane here, author, speaker, changemaker, and the co-creator of Access Consciousness, a powerful personal development company that invites you to value possibilities over problems to rewire negative thought processes. Dane began his career as a chiropractor, and over the last 20 years, he's developed his signature energy work to call the energetic synthesis of being, which invites a new level of awareness, communication, and transformation within bodies. He also launched a sustainable resort called Elugar. This episode spoke to so many different levels and layers of me. It sparked so much joy and aliveness I didn't even realize I needed, and I hope it's able to deliver the same for you. I talked to Dane about addiction to heaviness, how energy doesn't lie, our collective unconsciousness, tools to find and choose the light, judgment versus gratitude, choosing to be free, and so much more. I hope you enjoy this smooth conversation thanks to our sound partner, Audio Technica. Okay, it's time to live wide awake. Okay, well, Dane, thank you so much for joining me. I know it's a long weekend this weekend, but I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. So I would love to start with you telling us a little bit about your journey and how you became involved in the energy and consciousness space. Oh my goodness. I, you know, I tried to create my normal life and was very unsuccessful. I was 23 years ago now, I was creating my second chiropractic practice And I got to a place where for the first time in my 30 years on the planet, I'd finally given up hope. I was just done. It was like I wasn't creating the miracles in people's lives that I wanted to. My relationship was not fun. I was struggling on pretty much every level possible. And I had done, you know, all these weekend workshops. I was reading five books at a time, literally knowing that something different should be possible. But Finally, one day I was like, I've had enough universe. You have six months, either my life changes or I'm out of here. And I'd been doing spirituality, metaphysics, personal growth, just on every level I could find. And a week later, I saw an ad for access consciousness in the local paper. And it said, all of life comes to me with ease and joy and glory. And of course I was overjoyed. No, I was furious. I was like, you have no idea what my life is like. I hate you. And um, so I threw the paper away and the paper comes out the following week. And the only thing my eyes focus on is this tiny little ad that said access. All of life comes to me with ease and joy and glory. So I called the girl that put the ad in the paper and I had a session of access consciousness, something I'd never heard of. And I went into the session depressed, suicidal, angry with my life and myself. And an hour and 15 minutes later, I came out of it with a gratitude for being alive. And what it showed me was that change could happen really fast if you were ready for it. But also what she did is she started giving me some tools to use. And after that point, we got together once a week and did this session, but she would give me a tool to use in the time between sessions. And the experience that I had was I would go to a weekend workshop and feel like, yeah, I finally found it. I finally found the answer to happiness. And usually Wednesday of the following week, it felt like the universe caved in on my head. So when the universe wanted to cave in on my head, I would use the tool she gave me. And then I would expand back into that space of gratitude, that space of joy, that sense of possibilities. I was like, whoa, this is different. It actually works in the trenches of life. And so that was my first experience with this thing called access consciousness. And Now I've been facilitating it for the last 23 years and co-creator of it. And it was just number one, because it works so well for me. But number two, it spoke to something that I always knew should be possible, which was not only the ability to change things really fast, but the ability to change things in the trenches of life where the change really needs to occur. 
Yeah. So I guess I have two questions that's come up with that. First, what exactly is this process? I would love to understand how in one session you went from suicide to gratitude. I mean, that's insane. And does everybody experience the shift so quickly or was it just because you were so ready for it and you'd kind of primed yourself with a lot of other personal development work? Let me answer the second question first, which is no, not everybody has that type of major transformation. What we say about it is at the worst, you'll feel like you had a good massage. In other words, you get relaxed, you feel more connected to your body and at the best, your whole life can change. And um, that was exactly what the girl who did the session said to me. And in, in the back of my head, I was like, my whole life better change or I'm ending it. So what do I have to lose? Let's try it, you know? But I've known a lot of people who have had a similar experience. So the possibility is there. And what is it? This particular thing is one of about, I don't know, 8,000 tools that we have, which is called access consciousness bars. It's a light touch technique that's done on the head. And, you know, we've done studies on it and I say it that way because everybody else is like, you need to do studies. And I'm like, actually, the people that are going to find it are going to find it, whether we do studies or not. You can't prove something. And when somebody's ready, they find they find what's going to contribute to them, you know. So but we've done studies and found that it decreases anxiety, stress and depression, an average of 87 percent with one session. And that's an average. So it and it quite literally, I mean, it's funny on the one hand, to be speaking about it now from having been so involved in in sharing it with the world over the last 23 years and realize where I was in. I had never heard of it. I didn't know anything about it. I was just like, great, because I was living in California, which, you know, Southern California, I was living in Santa Barbara. I mean, it's, you know, underwater spiritual basket weaving is what everybody did there. You know, it was just it was just another thing. And to have this thing actually work surprised me <laughs> to a degree I can't even describe. Yeah, no, I understand. And I think, you know, energy really does make the world go around, but I don't think many of us actually really deeply understand what it is and how we can channel it for healing and medicine and approaching life. So could you maybe give us a definition of what you or how you explain energy and the type of language that it's speaking in our world? It's everything on one level. And that doesn't help much, I do realize. But the thing that I realize is we're all energetically aware. It's just that we haven't been acknowledged or validated for that awareness. You know, it's like, it's like when you have a friend, you're like, hey, how you doing? They're like, I'm fine. And you're like, uh-uh, no, you are not. You know, it's like, we know. We know it's really underneath the surface. And that's our awareness of the energy that's being presented. And so, one way to start accessing it, it's one of the tools of access. <laughs> oh my God, that makes sense. One of the ways of accessing it is, is the awareness that what's true for us will always make us lighter. A lie for us will always make us heavier. And, you know, you can think of lightness like that, you know, where you kind of go, <sighs> and you get to relax into it and it has a sense of space to it. And the heavier is more of a sense of contraction. Or if you think of, you know, you start reading something online or watching something and you just feel like you're going down this dark rabbit hole, that's the heavier. And there's a lot of that in our world. And yet, if we have this awareness that energetically we can tell what's true for us, because energy doesn't lie. And that's one of the, one of the greatest things to know. And we can use that awareness on our behalf. So, if you start doing anything where you're going down into a heavy rabbit hole, just stop. Just go, okay, what other choice do I have available here? Because it's not something that's true for you. And this applies whether we're doing something on our own, whether we're reading something, watching something, having a conversation. And the other thing to recognize in that is that we have choice. And a lot of us don't recognize it. I didn't. It's part of the reason I wanted to get out of here 23 years ago. But but we have choice. So if we're going into the heaviness, a lot of us, you know, a lot of the people listening to this program are the healers of the world, the people that want to make the world a better place for everybody. So I say healer, not like physical healer necessarily, but, you know, we have this desire to create more for all of us. And yet the way we've been taught or the way we've been conditioned to bring that about is 
by diving into the heaviness all around us and bringing lightness to it. But far greater, we're served far greater if, and are able to be of service far greater if we will choose those things that create lightness and be a beacon of lightness for those that are looking for that. Yeah, it's so interesting. And it's something that I've really had a lot of back and forth with over the last couple of years. And what I've started to deduce is that there's a part of me that's addicted to the heaviness. And this sounds very strange, but it's the only way that I can describe it because I like to choose the light and it is a practice. I feel like it is actually something I have to train choosing the light because I'm so used to choosing the heaviness and the anxiety and the path of fear just because I don't know if the way I was wired or how I was programmed as a child. I'm, I, I don't know what I'm still unpacking a lot of that, but I really do feel like sometimes I'm just so drawn to that because it's natural, because that's where I've spent most of my life. And it really does feel like an addiction sometimes. So if someone's in that space where they are deep in a state of anxiety or depression, and they really are ruled by fear right now. And, you know, you're saying, oh, like you have a choice. Like I've had moments where I felt like I didn't choose this. What do you mean I have a choice? And there's like this rebelling side of me that's like, I didn't want this. So I guess if someone's sort of like in that headspace, like what do you, what can you say to them to sort of help them? Cause I've definitely been there multiple times in my life. You know, you and me both. I would like to acknowledge that, that addiction to that heaviness, that addiction to the, the polarized point of view, you know, the, the positive and negative, the right and wrong. And what I would say that comes from is we grow up very young learning to judge. And so we live in a world that is based on judgment. And if you can allow yourself a little bit of leeway to not interact with that, and for some people, it's a few minutes. For some people, it's a few hours. For some people, it can be up to a few days. But after that, the idea is you're no longer engaging in this reality with the rest of us. And that's one of the most difficult things is we've been so conditioned that that if we're too happy, we're somehow harming somebody else or, or not engaging in reality in the right way. And so to a certain extent, it speaks to the nature of reality itself as we've all created it because we've all created it. You know, the, the what goes on in our planet is the sum total of all of us. And so if, to more directly answer your question, you know, if somebody is in that place, there's a few things that can start to help. And one is to choose anything that makes you light, even though you want to resist it more than anything else. So, so for example, it's like, you know, there are a few different things that I have on my phone and my computer and my different playlists on YouTube that just make me laugh my ass off, you know? And when I'm having a really bad day, even though I do not want to press play, I press play and I'm like, okay, we're having at least 12 minutes of this. Now, why 12 minutes? Because 12 minutes is such a weird number and it's long enough to see, okay, am I really committed to holding on to this or not? You know, or am I going to be willing to make a different choice? Because the crucial thing is that we have choice. And if, if we would recognize and have the vulnerability with ourselves and the gentleness and the kindness with ourselves to even in those heavy moments to go, okay. I'm choosing this and it's okay. Because where we go to, especially if we're those sort of people that are change oriented, which I'm going to say a lot of people listening to this podcast are because they've done studies. They found that roughly 52% of the population is not change oriented there. And that's its own thing. And the rest are more change oriented. So if you're somebody who's change oriented, you're going to be the person who's listening to this podcast. But even so, what happens is when we get into the heaviness, we then tend to judge us because our tools aren't working. I'm not doing the right thing. I, I'm not doing this enough. I'm not doing this well enough, which then, of course, adds another layer of judgment, which then creates more heaviness and more contraction and less space. So first is find anything that makes you lighter. Okay. And do it. And what I suggest that people do is actually write down a list of resources, you know, my happy list, whether it's music, whether it's activities, whether it's videos, whatever it happens to be something that makes you lighter, makes you laugh, but also 
hopefully something that inspires you. That's number one. Number two is the to actually start writing down everything you're grateful for. And I almost hesitate to say that because it's been used so often, but it's used so often because it works because you can either have gratitude or judgment. And the interesting part is when we're in a contracted space, if you will, or a contraction like that, like you're talking about, we don't have gratitude for us. And when we don't have gratitude for us and aren't grateful for who we are and what we've been and what we are and what we've created, we can't see the lightness of what we are and what we're bringing to the world. And going to that list of things you're grateful for can pull you out of it. And then, and this, by the way, is, you know, I'm giving three tools. I haven't given the third one yet, but I'm giving basically three tools out of hundreds, you know, that, that I would normally use in working with someone. The third thing that can be really helpful is to ask, who does this belong to? Is it mine? Because, you know, they have this idea of this collective consciousness. I don't really see it that way. I see it more as a, a collective unconsciousness, okay? Which is where we share all of our crap. And we're psychic, like big psychic radio receivers. We're picking up what the quote unquote collective is broadcasting all the time, you know, and if you study quantum physics, they explain the part of it, they understand and all that. But the important part is being able to acknowledge who does this belong to? Is it mine? And the way this works is whatever you're in the middle of, it can just be energetic yuck. You can go, who does this belong to? Is it mine? If it lightens up at all, even the tiniest bit, it's actually not yours. You're actually picking it up from the world around you. Maybe a specific person, maybe a specific group of people and or maybe all of the people, you know, maybe the collective that we're talking about. And when you ask, who does this belong to? Is it mine? If it's not yours, return it to whoever, wherever, or whatever it came from with consciousness attached and say, thank you so much for sharing. You're not mine. I'm not living with you anymore. Yeah. Thank you. I think those are three very easy and uh, very impactful tools. So I really appreciate you sharing them. And so I'd like to understand what subtle energy is and, and why this is sort of different, because I know a lot of your work revolves around the subtle side of energy. So is, is it sort of what you've been talking about here or, or is it something different? Well, yes and no. The difficulty is very difficult to describe because it's so subtle. <laughs> That was a bad joke, but it is really kind of true also in that. So 23 years ago when I was a struggling chiropractor, I, I actually chose that profession because I wanted to create miracles in people's lives. And I knew other chiropractors that were doing that, you know, with the tools they had available, like somebody would come in depressed and and leave happy. I mean, in 20 minutes, <laughs> I was blown away and yet I didn't see that occurring. And then. I went to do a session on the founder of Access. His name is Gary Douglas. And he said, ask my body what it wants. Don't worry about the technique. Ask my body what it wants. You'll know what to do. And I was like, oh, crap. He was the only person in my entire career that said you would know what to do. And I was like, OK, I guess I know something because it made me lighter. And I was sort of terrified. You know, I was excited and terrified all at the same time because he was saying, don't do the techniques just like communicate with me and my body. So I did. And there was this energy that came through that I now call ESB, the energetic synthesis of being. And it's a way of, how do I even put it? It's a way of, a, a way of gathering all the parts of you that you've lost or that you don't seem to have access to anymore, but it's all energetic. So I may talk during a session, but not necessarily. And so when you, Talk about subtle energy for me. It's an extension of what we've been speaking about already in which everything is energetic at its core. But even more than that, everything has consciousness. You know, Einstein said every molecule has consciousness and that has been expanded upon since, which means that every single friggin molecule and even further down to the quantum realm, has consciousness, meaning it's self-aware, 
which means that it, but if you look at it, what they're talking about now is it's not just self-aware of self, but it's self-aware as its own consciousness, but also aware of everything. And so for me, the, the use of the quote unquote subtle energy is, is the recognition that the only time that we ever create a difficulty in our lives is when we function from less than the consciousness or the awareness that we are. Because if you look at consciousness and then if you look at where we create the difficulties, it's in the unconsciousness, which is on our unawareness or the anti-consciousness, which is where we go against our awareness. It's like if you've ever known not to do something like not to start a relationship, not to start a job, not to turn left or right, not to marry somebody and you did it anyway, and it turns out just as poorly as you knew it would. Well, that's because we had the awareness, but we went against it. And most of the greatest difficulties in our lives are where we had an awareness, but we went against it. And one of the things I invite people to do is to, number one, acknowledge a few things in your life that you knew not to choose. But then also acknowledge a few things in your life that you knew to choose, even though it made no sense and how miraculously it works out. And then what if you could choose more from that? Now, when I work with people energetically, it's like, especially during COVID, I realized, okay, if I'm going to be able to have the impact on the world and contribute to people the way I desire to, I'm going to have to see how well this works long distance. And I realized that it works not only long distance, which I knew on a certain level, but I really got it after doing it for a couple of years, that it not only really works long distance to contribute to people energetically and collectively, but also that it works with large groups of people. And that again, though, is an acknowledgement that we're all interconnected. And where are we choosing to connect? Are we choosing to connect on the level of our greatness, on the level of joy, on the level of possibilities, on the level of I have your back, I see you, you got this, I'm here contributing energetically, you cannot lose, we got this, let's go. Or are we choosing to contribute on the level of bringing other people down, etc. And then from that, where are we choosing to contribute to ourselves? Like, in what way are we choosing to, to contribute energy to us? Is it with gratitude? Is it with choosing the things that we would like to have as our lives? Or is it choosing what we're supposed to because it validates somebody else's reality? So the, the subtle energetics for me are layers and flavors. And, you know, some people are wired the way some people are wired, it's colors and sounds. But for me, it's like, it's like everything that we do creates an energetic outcome around us. And yet we live in a world that tells us you're just your body and you're only this big. But one of the, the fundamental concepts that we have in access and that I heard about long before that, but I didn't really get it, is that you're an infinite being. And, you know, there are lots of spiritual whatever things that talk about this, but one of the questions we want to ask is with the things that we're choosing in our lives, would an infinite being truly choose this? And if they're not, then we're somehow making ourselves less than we are giving ourselves less choice than we have access to in order to choose this in our lives. Yeah. Wow. That was really fascinating. And so interesting, obviously, that even during COVID as well, you also learned how to do more of this remote because one of my questions was going to be, is it a really physical thing that you are working energetically with people one-to-one -one, or are you actually also being able to work with people from around the world at different distances? So what does that kind of look like when you're doing the remote work or you're, or you're doing work with a group of people from around the world? How does that look like? What kind of work are you doing with them and, and how are you unlocking um, or helping them, you know, to raise their subtle energy? So the target is to contribute to them. And one of the questions that I usually ask before a session, unless we have a specific target in mind that everybody is saying, yes, let's do this, is if you could have anything out of this, what would it be? And I make that specifically an open-ended question because what I found is when we dream, when we explore, when we get excited and enthusiastic about something, it's got so much more energy and so much more availability to be created. And when we get that enthusiastic, the, the roadblocks and the walls that are in the way are far less relevant to us 
and far more easy to simply go beyond. And because that's really, from my point of view, more of our natural state, that that sense of enthusiasm, that sense of joy, that sense of possibilities. So when I do a session, I ask, if you could have anything out of this, what would it be? And there are times where I've had, you know, 10 or 15,000 people that are participating in it because sometimes I'll do it on a Facebook Live or a YouTube Live or both simultaneously. And um, I'm like, guys, what can I contribute? And the interesting part for me is with more people, there's more change and more contribution for everybody. Because once again, this is this is the way we function as beings and then you have you as a being and then you in your life and in your world and in this reality, the one that goes and has the job and the things and the stuff, you know, and it's like, so we keep thinking that we're mental, which is, of course, a function of thinking, <laughs> which <laughs> perpetrates the thinking that we're mental, except, you know, my point of view is when you're thinking, you're stinking. Your thinking is a limitation of what you're capable of most times, not all the time, but most of the time. And so what I do with people is. I just ask them, hey, what can I contribute to you? And if you could have anything out of this, what would it be? And you have all these people. And the interesting thing in my world is, I'm sure you've probably seen X-Men in its various forms. You know where what's his name goes in and Xavier goes in and puts on Cerebro and he can perceive all the people and all the stuff. Well, okay, it's, you know, I'm not calling myself Xavier by any means. <laughs> But it's got this interesting sense of being able to perceive all the people individually, but also together. Well, if you're perceiving 10 or 15,000 people, you can't do that mentally. But as the being, you can open up to a different, I don't even know how to describe it. And I think that's one of the, the most exciting parts, but also one of the challenges in somebody hearing about it rather than receiving it. Because if you receive it, you're like, oh, okay, I get that. You know, like that was that, whatever that was. But talking about it, it's like we think we live in this weird ass world in which we think everything should be explainable. But explain a miracle. You know, have you ever asked for something and had it show up? You know, I'm yes, of course. Right. But isn't it funny that we're like, oh, I would like that. And it shows up we're like, whoa, what happened? How did that happen? You know, and then we try to we try to go through the steps to figure out how it happens so we can duplicate it. And we never can because. It was simply us asking and being willing to receive. And that really is how we function. And we've gotten so far from that, that we think we ask and then we control everything into existence to make this thing happen, which works. It works for a lot of people and doesn't work for a lot of other people. Okay. But in that, what we're doing is we're having to contract our sphere of influence so dynamically to control all the elements of what could go into creating this from our mind rather than opening up and saying, Hey universe, I'm asking for this. Please contribute. Please help me make it happen. I don't even know what it's going to take to make it happen, but I am willing to change anything. I'm willing to let go of anything. I'm willing to receive anything. I'm willing to be anything as long as it's in integrity. And, you know, some people would say in my highest good, that's sort of the space from which I'm functioning when I do these sessions. And I'm facilitating that opening for people so that they can get a sense of, of what it is for them to be way more spacious and way more like the beings they actually are. And, and that sounds maybe kind of cheesy or corny to some people, you know, like, oh, show up as the being you are. You know, it's like, oh, dude, I mean, I can't tell you part of the reason I wanted to end my life 23 years ago is because I had done so many things and many of them were in metaphysics where they would be like, all you have to do is use the purple light of Saint Germain and swirl it through your crowd. And, and I was like, okay, how many times, you know, and I would do it and it wouldn't create an effect. So I'm, I'm keenly aware of, of that also where, where there's a conversation and it's about promising something or, or saying this will work for me. It's like, I'm a firm believer in show up and let's see what can occur. Mm, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I guess when you're speaking about all of this stuff and tapping, you know, talking about is tapping into the spaciousness of the beings that we are, it sounds beautiful and it is amazing. At the same time, we a lot of us have these very intense thinking minds, which you've also mentioned, our thinking is a limitation. Mm -hmm. But if we were supposed to be these spacious beings, why is it so difficult? 
sometimes. Like, <laughs> is it a society thing? Is this something that, you know, I don't know if you've gone back into history to sort of look at like the progression of consciousness or as you kind of talked about the, you know, the progression of unconsciousness, like, is this something that we've wired into ourselves or is this just the challenge of being a human being and reincarnate or whatever you believe, you know, being on this planet during this time? Like, why is it so hard with the pieces that we've been given? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, that may be the greatest question ever because that really is, that really is a question. Why is it so friggin' hard? Well, this is where I'm like, okay, which part of, what I'm aware of, can anybody in the world hear? Okay, because uh, I mean, let, let's put it this way. What has been created as the basis of reality is based on programming, not choice. And people would rather try to get the programming right than choose something beyond the programming. And the other thing is, a long time ago, I realized that there were what appear to be or, or what shows up as almost like two different species on this planet, the humans and the humanoids. OK, and the humans are the ones who are willing to do the same job for 40 years, get a plastic watch, retire and die. And they're the ones who are like, oh, my God, this is possible. And they go, no, it's not possible. You can't do it that way. Why not? Because that's not the way we do it. And then you have the humanoids, which are the seekers of the world, the people that are in consistent, continuous judgment of themselves, thinking they're wrong, wondering why they don't understand how everybody else can just do it the normal way. And who are the seekers of the world desiring something different. And those weirdos like us are the ones that that are truly not understanding. How did we get here? Why am I here? And if this is all that, that's here, why? Why? Like, why? What is actually the meaning of life? And then, and so you look at, if you recognize that this mind that we use, because I, I get that one really well. I would love to say, you know, my whole life, I've just been present energetically and <laughs> no. And I experienced some intense abuse, a lot of intense abuse for most of my childhood years, you know, which made me think about everything as a potential threat, you know, like, like, ah, well, okay, how am I going to be hurt now? How am I going to be hurt now? And I think a lot of people have experienced some element of that based on their difference, because the people that tend to get abused are the people that are kind, the people that are miraculous, the people that are not like everybody else, the people that are different. And so there's and not just in that or because of that, but there's a dynamic requirement for people to be more normal, to give more obedience to this reality. And when I say this reality, I'm, I'm talking about all the things that that are so intensely heavy and stressful now that are going on in our world and and the idea is you're supposed to align and agree with it. You're supposed to take a side. And yet there are a lot of us that are like, neither of these sides is my side. I'd rather have a side that includes the cool stuff over here and the cool stuff over here and the cool stuff over here. But the way our very minds are wired is for right and wrong and good and bad, which is part of the... I feel like conflict for me, it's conflict. It's like this, you know, we've got this wiring within our ourselves that is so powerful and dominant. And yet there's this whole other side and it's like this conflict and, and fight and almost battle between, between the two because it's so powerful. Yeah. Here's the other part. And is that the idea is you put it brilliantly, that conflict between the two, the wiring and the, the other, which is like, hey, I, I, miracles, you know, possibilities. And but we've got the idea that if we don't follow the wiring, we're never going to succeed. You know, if we don't do the control, we're supposed to. If we don't follow the programming, we're not going to succeed. One of the things I am most grateful for about access consciousness is it acknowledges the other. And not as another, though, not as a separation, because we have a definition of consciousness, which is where everything exists and nothing is judged. 
And so what it does is it gives you a space to be all of that space, to see all of that programming and wiring, but not have to be run by it or owned by it, but also not have to fight against it. Because here's one of the other great difficulties of our world is, is we've been taught in order to create something greater, we've got to fight against what is. And so you see that a lot in the world where there's so many people who, who desire something different for all of us and are trying to fight against what is like a direct fight to, to try to bring it down. But here's the thing. If you have to go to a level of fight, you're now at the level of consciousness at which that thing was created or unconsciousness, if you will. And now you're not up here saying, hey, there's possibilities beyond fighting this thing. And so what I'm more interested in is don't fight this reality. Don't fight the mind. Acknowledge it and go, I see you. You're trying that shit again, aren't you? It's not going to work this time. I'm going to go have fun. Nanny, nanny, nanny. Mama going to enjoy herself anyway, you know? And start to embrace the joy. And it's, you know, we could we could talk about the specifics of this for the next several hours. You know, it's like it's it's a big conversation. But what we're trying to do with access consciousness is make this space of being accessible to everyone. And I don't care whether anybody does access consciousness or not that I don't care. I just want people to know that. There's a space of being alive that is available that we can choose. And there are tools that will get you out of the crap when you're in the crap that will get you out of the alignment and agreement that will get you out of the yuck stuck and what the F when you're in that. And that's what I want people to know. And, and, you know, choose your own adventure. It's your life. But the lighter you are, the greater gift you become for you and everybody on this planet. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, oh, I, I've loved everything you've shared. Thank you so much. It's it's really fascinating. And I think it, I, I really liked your little, your little skit about seeing the mind and almost laughing at it and, and kind of acknowledging it, but having that power to zoom out. Although I do feel like that really is a practice and it's something we have to learn because the mind is so good at just taking over consciousness and or at least what feels like it and making us sort of in that unconscious space and it really is a practice so having these types of tools to anchor to be able to create that space is really important so are you able to share a little bit of some of the other tools that can help people be more in that space you know you've talked about gratitude and a few other things but yeah if you have any more that you're willing to sort of like share for people to tap into that spaciousness versus, you know, the unconscious side. Oh, so many. And as you said, you got to do the work, you know, because it is so, it's so seemingly real. And so there are so many. Okay. So I mentioned bars before and what bars appear to do is actually change your brainwaves toward gratitude and relaxation and creativity simultaneously. That's just got to mention that because that <laughs> the change that is created. I mean, I got a message the other day of this lady who was who was suicidal, who was hating her life, who was going to get a divorce. She got her bars run one time and she's like, oh, my goodness, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm excited to be alive. And her husband, like she just fell in love with her husband again. I was like, holy wow, this is awesome. So I just, sorry, what I do you walk. mean by bars? I, I, oh, I bars is the, is the, it's access consciousness bars. It's the session that I had that saved my life also. Okay. And it's a light touch technique that's done on the head. And it's one of, it's sort of the, it's a great entry point into access in person. That's one thing that's done in person. And there are these points on the head that, Nothing else. Uh, there are certain ones that match other things, you know, acupuncture, et cetera. But, you know, they have names like money, body, control, creativity, healing. And when somebody puts their hands on these points really lightly, it seems to dissipate that polarized electromagnetic component of thought 
that is holding the fixed point of view in place. So basically what it's doing is giving space to this whole mind thing that we were talking about and dislodging it from living in your brain so dynamically. So that's one. So another tool is that can be really helpful is when you notice yourself having a charge about something, like if you or everybody listening might take some upset that you've got that's still with you, you know, that may have been there the last few days you haven't been able to get rid of, you know, that person you want to like strangle that kind of, you know, that sort of the fun stuff <laughs> that nobody ever really talks about. Okay. So get the sense of that, right? Get the energy of it. Cause you can, you can get the energy of it. I, you can call it up instantly. Right. Which is interesting because how do we do that? Because we're energetic beings. Okay. This is just where we've learned to use it against us. So let's use it for us now. So get the energy of it and just say to it, in your head, interesting point of view, I have this point of view, point of view, okay? Interesting point of view, I have this point of view. Now, you gotta be willing to let it change though, okay? You, this is where you've got, this is where part of the work comes in of, okay, I realize I'm probably trying to be right here and I hate the fact that I'm not, but you know what, would I rather be right or free, okay? Oh, that darn thing. Now we have processes for that, but it's way probably beyond the scope of today's interview. So anyway, get the energy of that and just say to it, interesting point of view, I have this point of view. And be with it for a moment and you notice it shifts a bit. That's because you're going from the polarity to an interesting point of view, which has no positive or negative. Now, say to it again, whatever energy is there now, interesting point of view, I have this point of view. It's the famous Russian, Justin Ipov, okay, where it's just an interesting point of view. Okay, now to whatever energy is there again, interesting point of view, I have this point of view. Interesting point of view, I have this point of view. Interesting point of view, I have this point of view. So what's happened, better, worse, or the same? I think it just removes all of the tension and energy and you just realize, okay, it's just, it's just a thing. It's just a point of view. It's, it doesn't matter. It kind of removes that. Yeah. The weight of it. Yeah. It takes the significance away. And, the, and those things that we have, and we all have so many, we've never been given the tools from the time we were kids to be able to change these things. One of my most exciting things is to see kids come to access and, you would not believe like giving kids tools to handle things from a space of creating more consciousness in their own lives from the time they're young, where they go, who does this belong to? Oh, interesting point of view. Oh, I have this other thing called Pock and Pod, which is a clearing statement where you can change any fixed point of view that you have. But once again, it's a little beyond the, the scope of being able to explain in the time that we have together. You can go to theclearingstatement.com if you want to check that out. That's free. That's a gift also but it's a way of changing anything. And so we have kids who do this, who they, they don't have the problems. Even when they get to be teenagers, they're like, wow, look at all my friends. Mom, my friends are going crazy. What's going on? It's like, sweetie, your friends are trying to be normal. It's okay. It's called teenagers and it's called hormones. It's not, to, it's not their fault, it's not yours. And they're like, okay. So, sorry, that just excites me for our future, possibly. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. People being able to actually be them as, as they navigate things like puberty, et cetera. But there's one other element of this interesting point of view that can help is because so much of our yuck stuck in what the F things are involving other people, right? And so, you know, I... <laughs> have thought many times, I'm like, wow, if there were no other people on the planet, I could just be happy. Goodness. <laughs> you know, like, oh, and at the same time, I love people, darn it. So, yeah. you know, I think a lot of us are in a similar place. But if you'll do interesting point of view, they have this point of view a few times. Because what sticks us a lot of times is the point of view somebody else has, and we, we can't seem to get them to change it. Except it's not our job. We, we can't change anybody else's point of view. So if we do interesting point of view, I have this point of view a few times till it starts to shift a little bit. And then we look at the energy they have, whatever that is. And we're going back to your first question about energy, which we're all aware of, even though nobody's explained it to us. So if we go interesting point of view, I have this point of view a few times. Interesting point of view, they have this point of view. 
And then we go, interesting point of view. I have this point of view that they have this point of view. And if we'll do that a few times, usually there's a lot of lightness that can be created. But once again, we've got to be willing to get out of being right in the situation because we can either be right or we can be free. And we have to recognize that people have their own choices and they're doing the best job they can with the tools they have available. Mm. Yeah, no, that was amazing. Thank you. And I'm actually pregnant right now as we're speaking about this. So I'm already oh, like, oh, amazing to like be able to. Thank you. Yes, it's very exciting. But yeah, it's just, uh, I think there's, I would love to be able to <laughs> help my child, my future child to have access to this type of way of processing and just, you know, giving them a completely different way of living. So I think that's very exciting for me. And I'm definitely cool. going to do that. So yeah, thank you. I think those tools were really helpful. I think you've shared so much incredible wisdom during this episode. And one more thing I want to ask you about, and that is something that's come up a lot recently on the podcast and the conversations I'm having is that, you know, we're, we are nature, we're not separated. And for some reason, you know, over the years, just because of the way that things have been, we, we think of nature as a separate thing, something we can try to control and own. But I understand you're also helping people to bring themselves back to that and to connect with nature at your sustainable resort, Elugar. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and, and how you sort of help people to, to reconnect in that sense. Oh, my goodness. Exactly that. We are nature. And so in building this resort, we told the architects, no tree is going to be cut down. No tree larger than four inches in, uh, you know, in circumference diameter of the trunk. And because we figured nature knew what it was doing when it created the land. And so we asked, where do we build the casitas? Where do we build the restaurant? And that's what we've been going on. And rather than taking off, I don't know, three to 10 feet of topsoil to put a concrete foundation down, we found a way of building on pylons that they screw down into the ground and then put a platform on that which actually coincidentally is how they build the buildings in Venice, which was our inspiration, except we're doing it in Costa Rica. And also simultaneously, we're, while we're building, we're actually having gardening done. We actually had plants planted. We had a greenhouse, a nursery created two years before we started construction. That And so you go there and you cannot tell, except in the area that is actively under construction, you can't tell it's a construction site. And what's interesting is going there before we started construction, the land was like, I mean, you know, you ever go on a piece of property that just nurtures you and you just want to stay there because it feels so good. Well, that's the way this place was. But now that we're actually building, it's even more nurturing. I don't know how to explain that. And I sound crazy, but you asked, so I'm talking about it. Normally I don't because most people are like, you're nuts. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's not the first time I've been told that. If I had a dollar for every time somebody said, you know, you're crazy, you're wrong and found out that it might actually be true, I'd be a billionaire. Anyway, and it's about creating this communion with nature. But also the interesting thing about if you've ever been to an eco resort and we're not calling this an eco resort. We're building it as a far more eco resort than most eco resorts, but we're not calling it an eco resort. We're calling it a place to come and be. But the casitas are really nice. They're well furnished, very comfortable beds. The system for the water, we heat the water by pulling heat out of the air. And it's a brand new system. And then we use that to help power the air conditioners. And then also, so the, the electrical footprint is minute, minuscule compared to a resort of comparable size. And also we're doing, we're using plants to do the, what is the, the, not the sewer, but the septic system. Cause you have to treat it before it goes on to the county system. And we found a guy who is doing this with plants. Wow. For the entire resort. So these are just some of the things, but we're using what's available. And some of these things, you know, we had to search to find, but, but you walk onto the property and it's got a sense that it's always been there because it was created in communion with the land. 
And then you go to the other side of the property, which has not been touched at all, except for cattle. And we'll have horses there. But for us, it was about how do we build and show people what's actually possible? Oh, by the way, the it, it's going to be luxurious. In other words, it's not going to be because a lot of eco resorts, they give you a towel the size of a washcloth. They have one 15 watt, you know, LED bulb. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're eco. We're saving money. I'm like, no, you're cheapo, man. So <laughs> not doing cheapo. We're doing actual luxury, but using the resources that are now available to create it in a totally different way that is actually in communion with the earth. And for me, I, this is such a, it's one of those things, you know, you talk about a passion project, but it's like, it, it truly is a labor of love and getting this to the world is, is a labor of love for me because my sense is people are actually going to see, because things take off when, when something can be created greater and also more in connection with the earth, you know? Yeah. Totally. And I think it's a beautiful example that the solutions actually exist. We just need to try that little bit harder to find them, right? Yes, that. Yeah. How do you think we can live wide awake? Oh, by getting out of judgment of us and everyone and everything else. I know that may sound be easier said than done, but some of the tools that I've shared are, are about that. And the clearing statement that I mentioned is about that because... Because let's face it, sometimes it seems impossible and it seems like the world is just and when you use this clearing statement, what happens is all the things that made you think that was real start dissipating and getting some space, dissipating the polarity of that. So I'd say that first, get out of judgment of us and everyone and everything else. Number two, get out in, in nature and and or acknowledge earth and nature and connect to it from wherever you are as often as possible. Number three, do what you can to get your friggin' body moving because our bodies are meant to move. They were not meant to sit in a friggin' chair and be sedentary. Number four, anytime you're doing something that is heavy, just acknowledge it. Just see a hand or a stop sign and go, okay, what can I choose that will be lighter for me and happier? And number five, go for what makes you happy, even if nobody else gets it. Amazing. Well, Dane, thank you so much for this episode. It was uh, such a pleasure and I learned so much and feel yeah very rejuvenated in a way. So I really appreciate you and everything that you have shared with us today. Steph, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much. Three things I'm taking away from this conversation with Dane. Firstly, what is true for us will always make us lighter. And what's not for us will always make us heavier. Energy doesn't lie. Secondly, when we're feeling that heaviness, we can ask ourselves, is this mine or is this part of the collective unconsciousness that's being broadcasted? If it's not ours, let's return it. Thirdly, we grow up with the conditioning of judgment, but when everything exists and nothing is judged, that is true, pure consciousness. So we can have judgment or we can have gratitude. This is something we can choose over and over again. So let's choose to be in the spaciousness and not stuck in the mind. curious what did you think about the episode and what were your main takeaways is there a topic you want me to dive deeper into i'd love to hear from you you can find me at stephel dixon or at live wide awake if you got something out of the podcast and you want to continue this journey with us consider subscribing and supporting i hope that today's conversation stirred something deep within you ready to awaken and until next time live wide awake mm-hmm.